Hello, thanks for stopping by Liberty Sessions, where we unpack one woman's entrepreneurial journey to help another woman launch her own. I'm your host, Netta Jones. Please join me as we start liberating dreams one episode at a time. Hello again, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode. And this week we get to hear from one of the most happy-inducing people I've ever met, Tammy Spence. Welcome, Tammy, to today's episode. Um, It's so great to have you. Thanks for joining us. Oh, that's such a nice welcome. (laughs) (laughs) And now you know what I'm talking about. So, um, Tammy has uh, lots to share today, and I wanted her to first open us up with um, the the different uh, ventures, careers that she's gone about. So, Tammy, you fall squarely into the multi-passionate entrepreneur category. Can you share a little bit about these three distinct careers for our listeners? Yeah, of course. Um, So to start, I am an actor. Uh, I first started acting when I was very small, and the minute I got the bug, I basically ate up everything I could get my hands on, which was not a whole lot in the middle of a small town in Indiana. Um, But that led me to Chicago. So right after I graduated high school, I went up there, went to school, worked my way through a lot of black box theater, and then started doing some more on-camera work, which is what brought me out to L.A., Uh, and then... Yeah, from there, I started doing a little bit of everything, and I really love all of the things that put me in front of a camera or on stage, but especially having multiple things going on now, I've really kind of focused the projects that I like to work on, which is using film and television to tell really ordinary stories Mm. in really extraordinary ways. Mm. Uh, So that is one. (laughs) (laughs) One down, two Uh, to go. (laughs) Sit tight, ladies. Um, The other one, I am an uh, interior designer. So I started my own company, Pluck, in 2014. Started as an event design and residential interior design business, kind of with an a la carte model. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is currently, as we speak, transitioning into what I'm calling design for the human experience, Mm -hmm. which is focusing more on lifestyle retail and boutique uh, hospitality that's very community focused and designing experiential spaces for them that connect people and inspire conversation. Um, Then the third is I own The Wheelhouse, which is a bike shop, coffee shop here in the Arts District of LA. Um, I own it with my husband. We are on a mission to change the way people navigate the world and connect with each other. So we do that through coffee because coffee is the easiest way to start a conversation. Um, And then we also sell bikes intended for everyday life. So using bikes for transportation instead of exercise in whatever way it fits into your life. And then we sell curated accessories that kind of support that, help you carry all your treasures around and a full service department to um, that really specializes in turning the bike you have into the bike you ride. Oh, that's awesome. I, you've got that down. I love listening to this. For anybody who needs to uh, get a lesson in elevator pitch or how to really uh, kind of 
distill your message. Listen to that over again. That was awesome. And we happen to be here in the wheelhouse. So thank you for having us here. It's such a great space and uh, it's it's an inspired space. I don't don't ride a bike currently and I always come in feeling like I should, like I should have ridden up. Um, But you accept us even in our four wheel vehicles. So thank you for that. Um, And so I want to go back to your number two really quickly. So can you give an example? Because we, I think we know what it means to be an actor. And I think we know what it means, even if we haven't experienced it, um, to own a coffee bike shop. Like we can imagine that. Explain the number two, uh, um, because I think there are listeners who are kind of figuring out what's next for them. And I like to be able to have them kind of open up the possibilities by listening to what other people do. So can you give an example of that sort of experiential design that you were talking about? So the way there's a big shift in retail right now, and I think in hospitality in general, I think brands are being a little bit more thoughtful about what their story is. I think the way that we sort of look for the places where we go, the places where we spend money um, are all centered around the story, right? So you walk into a retail store and you're not buying just a shirt. You're Mm -hmm. buying who this brand is. You're buying what they say about their stance on the world. Mm -hmm. You're buying an entire experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the design that I do is much more catered to extracting your story and your values, who you are and who you're serving, and weaving that into the space in a way that people can really connect to. So it's more tangible. It is. It could be storytelling, kind of environmental branding throughout the space that sort of explains, like the wheelhouse. Um, I was we, just gonna say, like, like where we're sitting right now. Yeah, which is what sparked this whole sort of transition was just watching the stores that were opening and the stores that were closing, and kind of what the difference is, and just how I myself kind of shop and where I like to spend my money, um, I'm much more thoughtful about it and I would rather invest in people. And so when a brand has a story, you feel like it's more personal and Mm -hmm. that's what you're investing in ultimately. And I think the retail experience is much more designed now to serve an entire person. Mm -hmm. So everything that they need for their life versus just specifically apparel or just specifically shoes. You know, it's like shoes, but also if you love these shoes, you would also love this candle. And like, by the way, these shoes are made here in Brooklyn by these people and here are their faces and here are their stories. And this is why we believe these shoes are different and where they're going to take you and just imagine where you're going to go. And so there's a lot more um, interactive um, components to that type of design. Um I mean, just think about how often we look at where we're spending time through the lens of our camera and what we're photographing and sure. and how it made us feel and why we want to remember it. And so it's just kind of weaving that experience from the traveler into a very engaging way of experiencing a space. Yeah, does and that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I was thinking even um, it's ironic that there is a rebirth given that the apocalypse, if you will, is due to people shopping online. But what it says is there's room now for another way to have an experience. There's room to engage in people in a fresh way that is really um, um, unique to what we've seen. Because if we want to buy a T-shirt, we go online and we buy a T-shirt. 
So when we venture out of our home, when we take the time to park our car or our bike <laughs> and walk into a place, we we expect to have something, almost to be entertained, to have our minds switched on to something different, to um, to learn about, as you were talking about, new brands. And as you were saying that, I was even thinking, even the big retailers are encompassing that. I mean, if you look at Target, you can kind of get everything you need to live there. I mean, with the exception of maybe cars and car parts and, you know, a home, I don't know. But um, you can you can have a pair of shoes, you can have a banana, you can have your, you know, office supplies, you, you can get so many things. And they've curated these small little brands. So they give that lifestyle piece, that ownership of brand. So you're seeing that on every level. It's not it's not just on the boutique level. Yeah, That's absolutely. Cool. I think people are picking up on it. I think that in general, especially because we are doing so much more online and so much more digitally, I think there's this huge need because we're still human beings. Yep. Like we're still looking for human connection. And I think we're still looking to be known and to be seen in the world. And when you go into a place and it feels like everything's been curated for you, it's almost sort of like, yeah, like it's been done. Like it helps you sort of define yourself in the world. Like, yes, this is who I am. I am the person who likes this. And these are my people. Yeah. And hello. And, you know, you feel like you're a part of something and it helps you kind of, yeah, define your space in the world. Um because I think it can get a little squishy and ambiguous when when it's just our eyeballs on a screen and sure. you know everything is a little two-dimensional and separate. Sure. How do those three different careers, I'll call them, how do they um, inform one another? How are they connected or how are they completely independent? It's a good question. I've been asking a lot lately. <laughs> <laughs> I don't ask to trip you up. I ask because I think people wonder, like, are these, is this Tammy girl that I'm listening to running three completely different careers, or is there some overlap or some intersection? And so I think, you know, it, I'm curious. Yeah. I, uh, I think I went about it a little bit backwards. I started saying yes and collecting careers. Welcome to the real world, <laughs> Tammy. <laughs> I mean, isn't that true though? Yeah. When you when you pull up the curtain, you see that everybody's doing it's really sloppy yeah. and haphazard yeah. and definitely not done in an orderly fashion. Yeah. Um, so I think what originally inspired the collection of all of these careers um, was this this great truth about myself, which is that I want to live about a thousand lives. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the biggest draws for me with acting is this opportunity to like step into somebody's shoes and live this completely different life for just a little moment uh, to tell this different story that's not mine, but is someone's and could have been mine had things gone differently. Um, so I think I come from a place always of always saying yes, of just wanting to have that experience, to know what it's like, to like leave no stone unturned. Um, and the, <laughs> the place I've been living in recently is really examining all of these because it is hard to balance this many careers, most of which are new, all of which still are being built. Yeah. Um, and kind of assessing, like, really why? Like, yes, if I want to live a thousand lives, okay, I've tried a couple of these lives on for size, like, but do I still want to keep them? And if so, why is that important? And I think... That's an important distinction, sorry, but yeah. trying them out and living them. Yeah. I, I think there's something that 
gives, there's some freedom in that. Like, oh, this is a try or honor. Yeah. But I don't have to live this. Yeah. Which I didn't approach any of them that way. I probably would have been a little less stressful had I done. <laughs> Uh, Oh, well, (laughs) such is life. This is why you will inspire all of the listeners, because they, like you, have come at things from a little bit of the back door and, you know, sort of navigating as they go. So that's why your story is so important and great. So keep going. I interrupted you. No, no. um, I think in thinking about, like, well, wow, is it still really important that I have all three of these? Like, and why? Like, what is my real why? Um, where I kind of landed was back to that, that sense of belonging. I think the thing that propels me through this world and fuels everything I do is never wanting anyone to feel alone Mm. and always wanting to create a place where someone feels like they belong. I hate when people get left out. Um, something must have happened on the playground somewhere way back <laughs> in my childhood. It was probably me being left out, but I just have this like this um, this passion for inclusion, hmm. I guess. And the way that that manifests is, you know, acting, creating these films, this television, like that's where we go when we feel alone or when we feel lost or when we need a break from our life. And it it gives us the sense of camaraderie that's really hard to get from a real person because they usually want to help uh, or they don't know. And that's even sometimes more frustrating. But mm-hmm. if you can just watch someone else's life for a little bit, you can find that inspiration or that motivation or even just that sort of like you know, misery loves company. You're not alone. If things aren't going perfect, well, you know, that's life. And it kind of gives you a little perspective. Um, I always walk away from films and television feeling comfort. Yeah. Um, And so that's really important to me. I think there are still stories to be told and that's still a medium that I very much um, care about and and want to um, create in. And then The Wheelhouse and Pluck are actually really similar in that it's about creating a community. And I think for me, when I go out into new places in the world, like that's how I get inspired. If I go and I walk into a space I've never been into before, it just lights me up. I pay attention to all of the details and I see, you know, the things that somebody did that they took care to do or, you know, the things that they chose and it just activates my imagination. And it also tends to draw people who are like me and gives me that sense of being a part of something. Um, I want to create those spaces. I want to light people up. I want to give them a place to go in the world where they're not just walking in a door and, you know, going through a transaction and then leaving. I want them to sit there and feel like it's a space they can come back to. It's like a home. Um, And then the wheelhouse is really centered around that community, creating this culture of people, I mean, it was originally inspired by when Chase and I started riding our bikes, how connected we felt to this place that we had hated for so long. Mm-hmm. You know, there was, you just, you plummet through the streets in a little steel box and you're, you see what you can see through your windshield, but you're not a part of it. You know, you can't smell or hear, you can't make mm-hmm. spontaneous turns. You can barely even see like the people walking down the street and you really shouldn't be paying attention to the people on the street. You should be watching the car in front of you. Right, right. <laughs> But um, it's very destination to destination, and I think Los Angeles, much like many other places, doesn't exist in 
destinations. I think mm-hmm. it's all of the spaces between where people live and they do their daily life. And um, when you get out from the inside of your car, suddenly you're connected, you're, ex- you're sharing an experience. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's like magic. <laughs> yeah. um, and wanting, and so we opened the shop to create that and to further that and to inspire that because there's a a culture of cycling here that is very exclusive and um, has turned a lot of people away and doesn't feel like it can belong to everyone and and that's a shame and it's not true so um, yeah we're right back to that kind of sense of belonging like giving people who like you walk into a place and are like you know I I haven't run a bike in years I actually never learned how to ride a bike or oh no I you know I don't even know where I would go and turning that into a conversation that's a little bit more like that's okay that's fine just come in have a cup of coffee like you don't ever have to buy a bike you, you still belong here this is still about connecting people yeah so yeah So it sounds like in your time of reflection, you've distilled what's important about all three, but you haven't necessarily taken one of them off of your list of things to do as a career. Is that fair to say? That's fair to say. I'm keeping them all for Okay. Okay. That's good. I just, again, I think just having people understand how other people do it and using that as an example for themselves or saying... That's not something I want. I want to distill it to one. But what's the through line that Tammy found? And can I find a through line that makes me happy with the one or with all three? And even though they are distinct, as you are telling the stories, I'm like, I see how these are interconnected. And I see, I know you, so um, I know that how that's an extension of you. And I think for those who don't know you, they just got to know you in that way. So um, I appreciate that answer. Now, Yes, you want to add. I only want. I only want to say um, that yes, I've chosen to keep all three, but it's made me be very specific. Like I can't do all of these mm. to maybe the extent that I originally planned to. So, like for acting, focusing on only the projects that I really care about. For pluck, you know, I might not take you know a hundred clients. You know, it might just be an office of me working on one project to the next because it checks all the boxes for who I want to work with and what I want to do. Like coming up with those missions and that kind of clarifying that purpose um, also informs what I do with them. So I will do all of them, but they might not all be, you know, crazy, huge, booming businesses with, you know, hundreds of employees. You know, they might stay small. Um, Maybe one will get big and, you know, maybe one will get a little bit smaller to make room for that other one to grow. Um, so yeah, I, I think I am doing all of them, but I am getting very specific and clear about the work that matters, um, and really, uh, being very, um, picky, I guess, about the work that just doesn't fit in there. How long did it take you to get to that? Uh, like this week. (laughs) Okay. So good timing on the podcast. (laughs) That worked out well. No, that's again, um, appreciate the honesty there because I think for a lot of us it's like oh did did that take years did that was she able to figure that out by writing it all out in her journal one night and so I think it's helpful to say no this is something I've been working on for a while and working in for a while so I know what the realities of managing all three are and being able to really be discriminating and not only discriminating so that 
your schedule isn't crazy, but so that there's fulfillment in each of those categories. I think it's what's, those are the nuggets there. So thanks for those. Um, now, did you want to be an entrepreneur? I mean, so I'm looking at, I, I, I think we need to just go ahead and add acting into that because you're creating a platform, you're having to promote yourself, you're having to talk about what you did last, you know, it, it, it's, it takes that same sort of entrepreneurial spirit. So I'm going to include it, but more, just to be more specific, I'm really looking at with Pluck and with Wheelhouse. Did you ever set out to work for yourself or was it sort of, these are things I'm ambitious about or interested in. And so I guess entrepreneurship is the way to go. Like, how did you come to that? Yeah, I never set out to be an entrepreneur. And I, I think it wasn't until we opened the wheelhouse and we started talking to people and they kept calling me that, that I realized that that was what I was or had yeah. become. I think I've always been a doer and I've always been a do it myselfer. Uh, so having my own things is pretty natural, but I would have never uh, set out to be an entrepreneur or thought that that was something I really wanted to do. Did it fit once you tried it on? Yeah, 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 and I think it, it it's surprising that it didn't come to me sooner. Yeah, like I, um, it suits me. I really love a lot of of the empowerment and the ability I have to control and have a say, and you know that kind of creative freedom and and things that you get from working for yourself. Does that get tricky? That creative freedom when you think of all three careers that you're navigating and sort of having, I mean, you've talked to us about how you're distilling what you say yes to, but in terms of a hierarchy of how do I spend my day? Am I spending, is, you know, is it Monday through Friday spent in three different parts? Like morning is on acting, midday is on pluck, and the afternoon is on wheelhouse. How do you prioritize and create that sort of hierarchy? Or is it not like that? Is it sort of a horizontal flat line and you just manage whatever needs to be managed that day? It is a little more fluid. Um, the nature of acting is an audition will come up and the whole day has to kind of move around to fit that in. You generally don't get a ton of time yeah. to plan for that. Um, it really it really has depended what each business has had going on. Um, and the nice thing is I do have the control to say like, okay, like, yeah, this is going to have to take the back seat or, you know, no time for this this week or, you know, and and the hard thing is there are certain things like very executionable tasks uh, that are very clear that have to get done for certain businesses and there are others like for acting, it's a lot more business development and relationship development. It's very squishy. It's, mm -hmm. um, it's harder to just set aside two hours to work on this. Um, so it, it has been kind of a, an ebb and flow for each of the businesses, just depending on what's going on. It sounds ideal, though, as an actor to have, you know what I mean, both in occupying the in-between time and still, and, and also as I've talked to other actors, it's like you don't, there's a, there's a lack of control. There's only so much you can do. And so it satisfies that need to control and move forward a part of your life by having this entrepreneurial outlet. Is that totally. right? Okay. Yeah, I'm not I mean, an actor, but yeah. I can imagine. <laughs> no, that's really, I mean, honestly, that's kind of what pluck was born from was a, a real frustration over having no control over even the opportunities I got. Um, yeah, I needed something that fulfilled me creatively that I could decide when and where and how. 
That's a good, that's, I feel like that's a public service announcement to all those actors <laughs> listening. <laughs> this is something you can do. Um, so if you really could have taken a step back and looked at each one of these industries and sort of how you've pursued them and approached them, would you have still launched three careers? Almost simultaneously. Acting came first. Yep. But would you have done it the way you've done it? Oh, man. Um, I think yes. Uh, Why? <laughs> Sorry. I knew you were going to ask. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's a very good answer, but I think, I think so much of, of how Pluck and the Wheelhouse were born was from timing that would not be the same had I held off or decided not to. Um, yeah, I think I think the path that has brought me here is so windy and convoluted and intricate. It's really hard to remove one and feel confident that I would still be really happy with where I've ended up. Does that make sense? It does, and I feel like that that windy road that that story about how it you know it's never been a straight line from A to B is something we hear over and over. Um, whether the entrepreneur we're talking to has one career, one brand, or three. It seems that that's a, a, a common phrase that we hear. And I, I, I need to have this in front of me because this is the second time this has come up. But in Steve Jobs' um, Stanford um, graduation speech, he talks about how it's, it's in retrospect that you're able to draw the connection you know, all those dots actually connect. It's not, it's not for in being able to look forward. And so I think it's, it's just, it's as it should be. Yeah. And those, those points along the way inform the outcome. And it's probably a good thing as much as I, given the work that I love doing in working with people, I want to help them like create a straight line from A to B. It, it's just never quite like that. So um, I think there's something to embrace in that. Yeah, I think also maybe one of the greatest things that has come from doing all of these things the way that we have done them is how much I have learned about myself. Mm. Oh my goodness, like just getting this clarity about like really what is it? Like why am I here on this earth? Like why am I drawn to do these things? Like just even being able to be more present in my day-to-day -day life uh, with a strong sense of purpose and um, clarity about what I care about and how I want to spend my time. Like all of those things are just invaluable. And I knew I was a strong person. Like I, I've, I've always been a fighter. I've always been just tenacious and, um, audacious and, you know, go get what I want. Um, but yeah, I think I can even sort of step outside of myself and look at what the past couple of years have been like and have great respect for how I've done and how my husband and I have done with the business that we've built. And yeah, just knowing who I am a little bit better. Maybe that's the age that I am also. I feel mm -hmm. like that's kind of a common theme. But yeah, I think I'm very thankful for having that. That's awesome. Tammy, thanks. I, I 
feel like you've um, just made lemonade out of lemons for a lot of people <laughs> who don't know how to make sense of a, a windy road or don't know how to look at what's cobbled up and appreciate it for what it is. Um, and while the destination is grand in so many ways, it truly is. It's so cliche and I hate that I'm saying it, but it's true. It's the journey that really is where the wonder is and the excitement and the, um, it's the place where we get to know ourselves, as you said, and where we can, um, we can learn the most and we can, we can inspire the most in other people. If we didn't have that story, it's sort of like a wah, wah, who cares? <laughs> you got from A to B with not much effort, like who really cares? So thanks for sharing that. I'm going to transition us a little bit into, we want to take all those careers and we want to like squeeze out all of the experience that you've had and that we can benefit from. So, um, if you're talking to somebody, and most of our listeners will appreciate this multiple venture kind of life, and we've heard things like the gig economy and how freelancers and entrepreneurs are really cobbling up a career. It's made of many different things. Um, you know, it's, it's something that's happening. It's upon us. What would your advice be for keeping people both focused on the individual platforms, but also um, advice on how to switch gears in a given day and, and really be able to manage those things. So I guess it's a two-part question. Um, so one thing that's really helped me in, um, in balancing all of the work is I have blocked out my days depending on the type of work that needs to be done. So for the wheelhouse and for pluck like and for acting, they all have sort of executionable tasks. I keep saying that, but just the things that you kind of run down that you do, that you check off the list that like, you know, are just very kind of, um, there's a, a, a woman who calls them information and idea work. So just the things that you don't really have, like you don't have to think about. Um, and then there is the kind of creative sort of, um, yeah, the idea work, the big picture thinking, the like, you know, uh, more ambiguous types of work that don't generally get checked off the list quite as quickly and require more of a process. So I've set aside, they say that Tuesdays and Wednesdays are really good for creative types of work. Just it's kind of days of the week are better for types of work. And so I've I've really read a lot about working efficiently and automation. And so wow. I have fused probably 10 different philosophies into what I currently do. So I also learned how I work best and how the environments I need to be in to get those types of work done. So where I work and what I'm working on kind of depends on the day. Mm -hmm. uh, so Mondays and Thursdays are for meetings. They're, you know, Monday, whether you want to or not, is generally going to be a meeting day. So yeah. it's best just to kind of get yourself set up for the week and, um, and get those meetings out of the way. Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I usually work from home and I work on all of the creative things. And I'll look ahead at the beginning of the week to see what needs to be done for what. And I'll kind of schedule it out ahead of time. So I always sort of know I don't have to make that decision in the moment. I just sort of show up on Tuesday and I know exactly what I'm working on. And then I just kind of get to it. And then Thursdays, I do meetings and Fridays are kind of a bonus day. It's like kind of a hard day to be really focused, but yeah. it's a really good day, they say. Uh, to do kind of planning and, and less time-sensitive work. So I've, yeah, I've divided up my environments, my days, and blocks of time based on how I work best and the types of work that need to be done. And that's the nice thing. Even though there are three different 
careers that need to be tended to, there are sort of themes and types of work that that kind of fit into those buckets, if that makes sense. You know, it does. I'm really curious, and I assume our listeners are really curious about the 10 different books and things you've read. <laughs> so I won't ask you to give us if there's one that comes to mind, give it to us. But what we will do is we'll reach out to you um, to get those for the show notes, even if you don't remember all 10, because I think you're absolutely right that we can read about things and be inspired by ways to manage our day and manipulate our schedule so that we can be the most efficient. Um, but you have to sort of try those things on for size and see if they really suit you and the way you work and they inspire creativity or they inspire efficiency. Um, and so it would be nice to give people some things to choose from. Yeah, I um, would be so happy okay. to share. I do not that's remember awesome. them off the top that's of my great. head, but check the show notes because yeah. I have a lot. Okay, that's awesome. Thank you for that. Okay, so you've talked a little bit about these um, books and things that you've read, and you're going to give us those for the show notes. But what have you used, any tools, tips, apps, anything that you've used to manage the the tasks or the your employees and telling them what to do? Do you rely on good old email? What are what are the you know what are your what's on your cheat sheet that you can give us? So many things. Oh, I love it. Most <laughs> people are like, so well, I use this one thing. <laughs> oh, no. So, yeah. I, again, back to my obsessive, automotive, efficient driven uh, work style. Um, I think one of the biggest things is eliminating the number of decisions. You only get so many decisions in a day. Did you know that? How many? I don't know. Not very many. Oh, I, I mean, I think if you, if you pay attention throughout the day, like there will be a moment where you just kind of stop. Like you just, you stumble on something or you deliberate over something that does not need to be deliberated I know what time over. of day that is yeah. to me. It's Maybe a it's dinner a when the kids are like, <laughs> can we, I have on the schedule. And I'm like, I, nothing is going in right now. Write it down and I'll look at it later. Yeah. I just can't not absorb anything or say yes to anything. Yeah. So one of the keys I think is just to eliminate the number of decisions you have to make on stupid things so you can mm -hmm. save them for the really important things. Mm -hmm. And one of those things is, you know, managing what work you have to do and your workflow and, you know, the schedule like we just talked about. I use Trello uh, as my project management software. I tried it once before and I hated it and I did not understand it. And then I had somebody describe to me the system it was based on and how that's intended to be used mm -hmm. and it changed everything. It captures communication. It captures like attachments and links and websites. You can have like entire conversations about something. You can go back and forth and one of the things that I've realized in trying to figure out how I visualize work and how I work best is, is organizing my workflow. And I realized that Trello is designed basically the way that I think, <laughs> which well, is interesting. amazing. You can color code things. You can add pictures. It's amazing. Um, and I use that for all of my different careers. And we also use it within the wheelhouse to manage team workflows. So if our one team is working on a project, we can all kind of track where it is. People can ask questions. Somebody else can pick up where someone left off and know like right where it is. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. What have you used that was like that that you didn't like? And it's not to diminish any other brand because like we said, it's dependent on the person. But I'm just for our listeners and even for me to understand what is it like? Is it like Basecamp? Is it like mm -hmm. Asana? Okay. Yeah, it's like both of those. And I used Asana before this and I tend to get too detailed with the checklist and I get over checklists and then I feel like I'm not getting anything done. And, okay. and 
how it was organized just I didn't manage it well and then nobody else managed it well and it just didn't get used. Trello is the first time that everybody sort of figured out their own way to manage their shared projects and personal projects um, and you can kind of custom it custom fit it a little bit better based on what you need. Okay, that's helpful. Um, For email, because you can just never get away from that, uh, I use Boomerang, which returns your emails back to you. So I'm a... I always strive for inbox zero and my inbox is supposed Who are to you. <laughs> well, I yeah. don't get it most of the time. Oh my gosh, I love it. Yeah. It's it's one of the things that sort of lives in the back of my brain like a failure, but it's not. Yeah. Usually my inbox is like if the email is in there, it means I have to do something. And so if that's not true, then it just gets bogged sure. down and I, I lose things. So if I can boomerang an email so that I remember it when I need to remember it, it kind of keeps the inbox list as a list of things I actually need to tend to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that. I'm a huge fan of pen and paper. There will be no project management I know software. That one. Yeah, I know that one. <laughs> that will ever get me away from it. And I struggled for a long time feeling like I was wasting time and I wasn't being efficient. And then I sort of realized it's my process. Like I need, I think differently yeah. when I'm on a computer and when I'm looking at a piece of paper. And Which is proven now. I mean, it's a scientific thing now. They yeah. said, you know, that's where our creative big picture thinking comes in. And Yeah, so. and post-its. I live <laughs> around walls. <laughs> Covered in Post-its. I love that. But Post-its are very similar to how Trello works. Yeah. Trello is basically Post-its, which is amazing. Um, yeah, what else do I use? Uh, I am a huge advocate in going back to figuring out how you work best and, you know, your work style and your personality style. There's a personality test that both my husband and I took when, uh, well, we were a little... We were a little ways into the wheelhouse and we realized things weren't working super well. Uh, so we took it then. It's called 16 Personalities. It's free online and it's basically a Myers-Briggs-based uh, personality test that will inform very articulately what your work style is, you know, how you think about things. And when you can really design your process and your day using and leaning on your strengths and your sort of nature versus always combating just one more thing, kind of fighting against the process. It just, it, yeah. That's awesome. It's huge. You've said that one before and I haven't taken it and I'm a, just, I'm a freak for those things. I love all those personality tests. So it was the first time when his captured all of my, like, I have a very contrasting personality and it caught all of those. It was really interesting. Maybe I was just the most honest. Was it when helpful I took it. for you guys in terms of workflow? Well, the marriage one is a different podcast, but <laughs> was it was was it helpful to say this is how you work, this is how I work, this is how we need to work together? When you talk about it, was it happened well into wheelhouse? Is that was that the intention of that? Yeah, it was. It was. Um, it was inspired by conversations we were having over the work that we were doing and what wasn't working and what was. And and we sort of realized we had divided up the roles and responsibilities entirely wrong. Um, and it we kind of redesignated, uh, like, who did this and who did this. And um, it helped us communicate with each other differently yeah. and uh, understand what we needed in order to communicate with the other person and... Rather than feeling like they were just 
being petulant or yeah. you know stubborn and not trying to understand. <laughs> That's cool. Is it the kind of thing that you could do with um, employees or contract workers, or would you recommend it, or is it like uh, it needs to be? It's better off when it's um, when that person doesn't feel like now they're going to be handled in that way or managed in that way. No, well, that's a good question. We um, we have been talking about using it with our team. I think it would be really helpful, um, especially for people who want to grow in your mm-hmm. company, understanding roles that they are best suited to, and helping um, delegate to them. You know, leaning on their strengths and how they work best and. Um, making sure that they're playing the right part on the team sure. versus wedging them into a role that does not fit them at all. Sure. Which has happened, but also when, you know, maybe sometimes you can't control all of the things they have to do, but if it isn't happening a certain way, you have more insight into like, okay, well, this is how we can talk about it. This is how yeah. we can, you know, reorganize it or, you know, maybe this is why. It just gives you a greater sense of understanding, I think. That's awesome. I think your show notes are going to be the longest set of show notes that we have. So everybody I'll be so proud. sit tight because <laughs> there's some good resources coming your way. All of my obsessive researches. No, it's um, awesome for us because I think a lot, it takes a lot of time out of your day to figure out what works for you. And so that's why this is such an important part, I think, of our podcast and asking these questions because we get, we get to glean from other people's experience. So um, that's going to be great. I can't wait to try out some of those things myself. Um, so you are a very local-centric business with regard to wheelhouse. And I would say maybe even with Pluck. Of course, you can be flown across to Paris to design it. And I'm sure you would say yes. I could be. And I'm I am sure available for work Take Paris. me with you because um, <laughs> I'll have to record via podcast how that's done. And then Elizabeth is raising her hand now. So we'll have to take her. We get to take her to record all of that. Um, so – with regard to that, how does social media play in 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 that world when you're that's such a big pull for us and everybody knows all of our um, you know all these emerging uh, businesses are like having a social media plan and it's it's a large part of the business. But when you're focused on something that your national audience doesn't have access to, how do you kind of what are the tips and tricks that you use to navigate building a local audience, especially given what you shared about the importance of building community in, in real life or in, you know, where we can touch each other. Not that community online isn't real, but you know, I'm I'm talking about really drawing people into the wheelhouse physically. Yeah. Um, well, I think, so, um, hmm. I think a couple of things. (laughs) One, particularly for a localized business, awareness is huge and everybody is finding everything on Instagram. Yeah. We worked with publicists when we very first started. We have done all kinds of pop-ups and marketing campaigns. And still to this day, when someone new comes in and we ask how they found us, mm, probably 80, 85% of the time, they say Instagram. It's just such a huge tool for sharing, for... Um, yeah, for building awareness, for drawing traffic in and and creating a place that people want to to take pictures of, to want to share that they were there really kind of helps spread that um, that draw. Yeah. Um, I think we are actually building much more of a national presence using um, an online store and um, and things like that. But for us, a lot of 
what we use social media for is inspiration. And we're on the very front end of a thing that is very new and not really understood. You know, people kind of have decided what they think about bikes and how bikes are used and who rides them. And we're really trying to create a shift in perception um, and get people excited and feel like it fits into their life in a really relevant, approachable way. And for us, using social media to showcase that experience of riding your bike just to get around in places where people spend time that they recognize that are their neighborhood or places that they go to makes it feel way more personal mm-hmm. and way more doable. Um, yeah, like, oh, I live down the street from that. I could totally bike that. I didn't even think about that. Like, yeah, parking over there is super annoying. Like, you know, it just kind of helps start that conversation. And it's such a powerful storytelling tool. And so part of our story is is this community, is this town is this downtown neighborhood is the arts district and all of the ways that it's changing and being able to visually tell that story um is huge yeah and if you heard about the wheelhouse you may have a different perception of how you guys are bringing coffee and bikes together when you see it on instagram it's very much around people and community and the pictures aren't of gears and helmets and those sorts of things it it does feel like it's um it's it's not for experts. It's for pedestrians, which not walking pedestrians. <laughs> but it could be if biker, you like walking. Lo- local, local, I don't know, whatever. Tour, the every man, the every woman. Yes, yeah. yes, that's the word. Um, and so you, you do definitely do that. And I hadn't considered your online shop. So that makes sense that your national audience can take advantage of that, but you still have that local uh, appeal and the ability to access people on a local, on a local basis. Um, in one of your ventures, The Wheelhouse, we're going to stay on that one for a while, you have a partner. And this partner happens to be Chase, your husband. So for the listener who is about to take on a partner, has a partner, is navigating that, and um, also those people who are working with a spouse or a partner that is a partner outside of work, um, how have you been able and how would you advise sort of drying up professional and personal line and or or do you or is the magic in blurring the lines what has that been for you um well to be <laughs> totally honest yeah <laughs> that's what we want that's what we want uh, much like the work life balance myth for us for our experience there has not been a real true balance um but there has never, we've never stopped having an intention about it. We've never taken our eyes off of that and known that it is something we need to be very watchful of and protective of. What that looks like, though, has, um, we've had to kind of change our expectations and make adjustments and um, get really specific about what matters. Mm-hmm. So from a um, husband-wife perspective, like, understanding like, well, we do come home and we usually watch a show together or like, what if we make dinner? Like, does that fill that bucket? Does that make me feel connected to you? And if the answer is no, then what does? Like, do we need to take a day off and go explore? Like, what is it? How do we get what we need? Mm -hmm. And what exactly is that? And what does that look like? And then make time for that because it doesn't necessarily mean like, oh, well, we always have dinner together and we, you know, take three days off together. And does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I, 
the wheelhouse is a year and a half old, and we were working on building it for about a year beforehand. So that we're about two and a half years in. It is a very big business. We basically built three businesses in one. In um, and we're very much on the front end of a a movement that we didn't really realize we were that far out in front of. So it's been a lot harder than I think we expected. Mm-hmm. It always is. Um, and it so has, the three businesses are the coffee shop, the bike, and the movement? The, no, no, oh. the retail shop uh, experience. Yes. And then okay. the service department okay. kind Got of it. being a little bit separate. They, okay. they work differently. Um, and we have a very large space. And, yes, you do. Uh, <laughs> Beautiful space, but it is large. Thank you. Um, yeah, so it, it has been sort of all hands on deck. Everything just to, you know, sort of support this business and help it grow and get it off and running and... Um, yeah, so we had to kind of look at like, okay, well, this is what this needs right now. And this is what you need from me and what I need from you. And like, how do we make that all kind of fit together? And it changes and it's a season. And as as we've come into our second year now, um, we've had a little bit more opportunity to take time off together and take time off separately. And, you know, it, we're still very much learning. we got married and six months later started this business. Oh my gosh. I don't wow. know if that's always the best idea. <laughs> uh, so we already had a lot of learning to do. Um, but yeah, I think it's just a lot of communication and um, a lot of really understanding what you need and what makes you feel connected and what's important to you. And then making sure you're both on the same page about that and that you make space for it and you protect it. Cause it is, it can be very, very hard to uh, not negotiate that time. Sure. Sure. Um, thanks for that. And I, for both the honesty, but also for saying this is a, an ongoing kind of work in progress. The answers are not, they're not there for me to just advise you and say, here's, here's the trick and here's how you do this. It's, it's ongoing. It takes and requires communication and it takes and requires, my guess is, um, that communication managing where you are in the business. So what you've communicated for year one or two isn't necessarily the case for year three. That's yeah. going to have to get renegotiated, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And and you'll have to sort of reacclimate to what the needs are based on where the company is, how many employees there are, what's going on in your other respective businesses. Um, and And so the takeaway, I think, is just this constant communication about what do I need and then what is that third thing we created need, that the business? What does that child need? Yeah, because um, it, it is like a yeah, child. It, it, it needs a lot of attention. And that's okay. Like you love it. Yeah. And you've made this decision together and you're in it together. And, you know, you stay on the same side and make sure you remember you're on the same side. And yeah. I do have a tip, uh, kind yeah. of a shortcut. If you do not know what you need, if you if you can't articulate that or you have no no idea how to go about figuring that out. Because most people don't consciously say like, this is how I feel loved. Uh, There's a book called The Five Love Languages, which maybe is a little cheesy, but oh my goodness, is so insightful. And really making sure you're loving someone in a way that feels like love to them is huge. And so I, and I found it to be very uh, accurate. It's funny that you bring it up. (laughs) I had a client meeting this morning and her quote to me was she had just, uh, she was a speaker at a, at an event that took place. And she said, they must've known my love language because I, they gave me two goodie bags. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, it's a real thing. And it is important to know that. And actually even your, for your employees, like how do they feel cared for? How do they feel loved? Your partners, 
Um, and by partners, I mean even outside of the business, people that you're working with. What is what is it that what's the end game for you? What's going to make you feel like a, this was a success? So maybe you don't approach it by asking what their love language is, <laughs> but it's smart to know what what is what is that that will make them feel like this was good. Let's do this again. This was a benefit. Um, so we totally. let's write. Can you write the book for like love language for businesses? Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. I'll do that as my fourth business. Yes. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll help. I don't know how yet, but I'll help. So you don't have to we'll do it all on your own. Yes. Wonderful. Okay. <laughs> I love it. So Tammy, I want to go back to one of the things that you said in the first part when you were talking about how you've really had to take time to figure out of these three careers, like what's important. Um, and to sort of recalibrate and then figure out where does growth go from here? What does growth or success look like in these three different areas? Um, What would you say was sort of pivotal? Like when did you get to the point where you're like, I have to do this, I have to recalibrate? Was it uh, out of busyness, exhaustion, um, not feeling like anything was getting accomplished? What was it so that Again, those who are listening can say, I'm there, or let me deal with this before I get there. Uh, D, all of the above. (laughs) But also, and also, uh, I am super self-aware. I'm always inside my head trying to understand how I feel, why I feel that way, what's going on, maybe why that's happening. Like, And... Yeah, um, I think I'm constantly asking that question, and I'm in a constant state of assessment, um, always ready to make adjustments and changes, and um, yeah, to make sure that I can keep doing all of the things I want to be doing. I think I, yeah, I've just had to stay very nimble on my feet. I think that's also just kind of how I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anytime anything doesn't seem like it's working the way that I expected it to. I'm always asking why and how I can do it differently and what could change and what I have control over and what I don't. Mm. Great question to ask yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. And to have grace for yourself. So much grace. And one of the biggest challenges I think is I came into this life as a perfectionist. Maybe I didn't come into it. I became a perfectionist very early on and Mm -hmm. I got away with that for a very long time and it wasn't until I was doing all of these things and it was either stop doing all of them or most of them or keep doing all of them and just not aim for this perfection Um, and when it came time to give them up or keep them and be willing to settle for what I thought was less than I thought I could do uh, I chose that Um, but I think there have been some really clear seasons I, I love leaning on just kind of the cycle of the world and the Mm -hmm. universe. And so at the beginning of the year, this year, I did a really big kind of assessment of, you know, life in general, each of the careers, how it was going, what I needed, how I wanted this year to be different. Um, And then I love a good six-month (laughs) check-in. Summer is a really nice time to do that. I think it's just a little bit quieter and a nice time to get introspective because everybody's off doing other things. Uh, And then... Yeah, I I think I also have kind of like a monthly assessment. Um, It's maybe an uh, obsession with clean slates, but I always really like to lean on new beginnings, like really clear new beginnings. So like in the fall, like change of the seasons, beginning of the month, new moon, full moon. Any um, excuse (laughs) excuse to start over. That's cool. Yeah. 
That's, does that answer your question? It does, and it actually, uh, I love that because I, I always think, you know, it's beyond the New Year's resolution thing. It's like create more opportunities um, for yourself to have a clean slate, to start over, to to pivot, to rethink something. Um, it doesn't have to wait until there is some big announcement of the eclipse or, 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 or a new year. Or for me, it's always, um, September is really my beginning of the year. It's like, okay, we got to rethink how to do this. Um, but, but giving you yourself that time over and over, I just read, um, something, I think it was yesterday or the day before. And it was, don't, if you're discouraged with how the year is going so far, don't let the fourth quarter just die. Like, don't, you know, this is a new opportunity. It's not, don't look at it as well. I didn't do as I wanted to the beginning of 2017. So we'll just look to 2018, which can really happen for yeah. people. And if you're, if holiday is a disruption for your business, then you can really give up. But actually to say, okay, what can I do differently to capture something in this last quarter that can inform 2018 and not, not give up so soon? So I, I love that. And I think that's a, that's a great transition into the very fun and silly part of this interview, Ooh. which is um, we ask six qu questions. We call it our quick six. And just give us Whatever comes to mind. Okay. Don't think about it too much. Okay. Um, okay. Do you prefer a nine to five or a flex schedule? Flex. Okay. Uh, vacation in the mountains or beach? Mountains. Okay. Do we have other mountains alone? Maybe one. I mean, I would really love for there to be water nearby. If it could be a lake. What about a mountain with a lake? Okay. <laughs> I like that. I like, we've had, we have had people say the mountains and the beach next to each other and no one came up with a body of water in the mountains. So thank you for a that. A lake is my spirit body of water. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Spend time in Seattle. I love it. Okay. Um, work from home or office? You kind of gave us a little bit earlier. Oh, yeah. I love working from home. I'm such a, an introvert when it comes to that. Yeah. I could be home all by myself, all the time, all day, and be so happy. That's awesome. That's I need to get away from the house because I think there's too many things to do that aren't work for me there. So I need the balance, but I, I get it. I totally get it. Um, this is going to be hilarious. Tea or coffee? Oh my gosh, coffee. Yeah. Every day, all day. <laughs> I was like, you better say coffee. Although you, I'm drinking your awesome tea and you guys sell great tea as well. Um, and then working alone or with a team? Um, if I had to choose, I would say alone. But I do really like having other people who are in it who you can bounce ideas off of. And, and earlier today, Chase and I were like, I was just struggling with one of my projects and I just needed him who knows where we're at to be like, I think this. And it intersected with yeah. what I was thinking and I could just move on. I think I'd run out of decisions for the day. Sure. So I, I think working alone all the time always is really hard. So maybe like 70% working by myself and, and then 30%. 30. Okay, we'll take that. We'll take that. Okay, and I think this is the hardest question, but Thai or Mexican food? Mexican. Okay, a Californian with Mexican again. Really? Is that not common? It's, um, we are leaning toward Mexican. The first, oh. I would say, half of our podcasts were Thai. And then it's switched to Mexican. I need a good Thai restaurant. I am lacking for one. If I had a good Thai I restaurant. I have a few. Oh, I will take those I'll share you. them with you later. <laughs> um, and then 
As you know, our brand is Liberty, and we've named this podcast Liberty Sessions because for us, it's how do we liberate women through entrepreneurship, through leaning into a calling or a passion or, or a curiosity even. So for you specifically, what does it mean to be liberated? I think it means living, living a life that's entirely your own, that is unlike anybody else's, that is made up of the things that light you up and mm -hmm. fulfill you and um, make you you. And um, yeah, just that creative freedom and always challenging when somebody says something has to happen a certain way and making sure that you're just wholly and entirely you in everything you do. That's awesome. And I feel like you have given us an example of that and who you are and the way you're choosing to pursue these three careers and the way you're um, going about it in uh, embracing who you are and what you need. You ha you've said, yes, I need those three. And it makes me happy that we have this podcast for those people who have said, yes, I need more than one. So Thank you for that. And thank you for living up to that happy person <laughs> that I knew you would so that all of our listeners could say she was totally right. Um, it's been a pleasure, Tammy. Thanks so much for taking the time with us. And for all you listeners out there, we'll have Tammy's show notes. Um, so check out the site, libertyforher.com, and check out Liberty Sessions on all the platforms that are out there because we're there. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Over. Bye. Liberty Sessions is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review Liberty Sessions on Apple Podcast. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping you to launch and grow your own ventures. You can also find us every day on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Liberty For Her. And please leave a comment using the hashtag Liberty Sessions. We want to hear your thoughts, suggestions, and brilliant ideas. Liberty Sessions is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Windham and music by Jordan Flower.